Good morning. It's good to see you. So I have my teddy bear with me today. This is my teddy bear, right? It's mine, really. This is my teddy bear. Now, if my teddy bear were in a box on a shelf in the store, would it be my teddy bear? No, it wouldn't be my teddy bear because it'd be in the shelf on the store. So what would I have to do in order to make him mine? What would you have to do? You have to buy it from the store. Right, you'd have to buy him from the store. Earlier, I heard he might be worth as much as $50. <laughs> Pretty neat, isn't it? To make him mine, I would have to do something. I would have to, to go and buy him at the store. See, that's, that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus comes to us as our Savior, right? He came to earth. He lived a perfect life in our place. He died to take our sins away. Yeah. And he did that for everybody. Absolutely everybody. Everybody that ever will live. Everybody that has lived. He died for everybody. But you know, he wanted to do something more because he wanted to make you his very own. Just like I would have to go buy my bear, he wanted to make you his own. So he does that in baptism. God sent us out to tell people about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then he told us to baptize in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, if we just took water out of the baptism font and I sprinkled it on you right now, what would happen? What? Well, no, you wouldn't be baptized. You'd just get wet. Because we need to add this, the word along with it, don't we? Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what he did for you when you came to the baptism font. Did you walk up there? No. I didn't walk up there when I was baptized. My parents took me. What a blessing to have parents that will bring us to be baptized, to make us a part of Jesus' family. And that's what you are, because you are baptized. Let's pray about that. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth and doing all of the wonderful things you did in our place, living perfectly, taking all of our sins to the cross and leaving them there, rising again and then sending us out to teach others who you are and what you've done, making us a part of your family through baptism, forgiving our sins and helping us to come to you whenever we want to. Please bless and watch over us and help us to tell others so that they too may become part of Jesus' family. We pray this in your name. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. On this Epiphany, or rather a, a, a Sunday of the second Sunday of Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord, we have the word Epiphany in our text in Greek. Um, Epiphany means to display or to reveal. And here the Apostle Paul is going to tell us in the first verse that we're going to listen to, when the kindness and love of God our Savior was epiphanied, was revealed, he saved us. Our text is Titus chapter 3, beginning at verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared... He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously 
through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Fourth commandment sins are always troublesome in any time of life, whether a young person rebels against parents or school teachers or whether uh, anyone rebels against local authorities or the, over the national government or whatever it is, those sins can turn into an infection, a sinful way of life that too often ends in tragedy. Well, here in the third chapter of Paul's letter to Titus, the concluding chapter, he addresses fourth commandment sins. And it's in the middle of all of that that Paul says that at one time or another, we all were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures that lead to these fourth commandment sins, sins against whoever is in authority over us. But Paul says, but God saved us. In the context of that specific sin, Paul brings in the idea of being saved by God's grace alone. In fact, his, his word, and uh, uh, it's easy to complain about any translation, but, but in his uh, text, Paul says that it's the kindness and a very special kind of love that God our Father has. This is a rather rare word in Greek, a special kind of love. And it would stand by itself in the text if, in English. It's the word philanthropy. Philanthropy is the love for mankind. And when God's kindness and his philanthropy, his love for mankind appeared, was epiphanied, he saved us. He bathed us in Christ's own bathwater, holy baptism. There are three chief things to remember in baptism. First is that it is ordained, commanded, consecrated by Jesus Christ, by God himself. We see this when Jesus institutes baptism in the closing verses of Matthew's gospel. Go and make disciples of everybody, he says. How? By baptizing. Baptism is a divine institution, a gift from God to us. Secondly, baptism is also there for deliverance from the power of sin, from the power of death, from the power of the devil. So we should be careful not to pull baptism apart, separating, for example, the, the element of water from the Word of God, which in this case in baptism is the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The water is good for the body just as the Word of God is good for the Spirit. But baptism is for both. If baptism were only meant for our soul, then the Word of God would be sufficient. And my soul would be cleansed, made clean, made sinless by the Word and command of God. But baptism is not only for my spirit, it is also for my body, because there will be a physical resurrection from the dead. My flesh also is bathed in baptism, the original sin that infects my very cells and the meat of my body is cleansed 
also in baptism. There is a resurrection. There is a physical return of the body. And so baptism cleanses all of me. In baptism, we are born again. There's another Greek word in our text that's it's, it's, it's so delicious that I have to share it with you because you're aware of the word genesis, which means the beginning of a thing. And here in Titus, Paul talks about the genesis again. It's, there, there's the, also the little word palin, which means all over again. And we have this palin genesis to be made all over again or to be remade, born again of water and the Word of God. Thirdly, we also remember the benefits of baptism because the washing away of sin means the end of the, of the power even of the grave. Because the wages of sin is death, then the cleansing from sin also means the end of death. The lid of the coffin, the, 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 the cover of the urn are blown away by the forgiveness God gives us so that we will step out of the grave, whatever form it is, on the last day physically and be taken to God forever in heaven. We will wake up from our long sleep, the winter nap of our existence on this world, and we will rise to life in the never-ending springtime of eternity in heaven. Likewise, the devil's grip on us is released, ended, because our old Adam is drowned in baptism. That's not to say that he still doesn't try, that he still doesn't claw at us with his deceptions and temptations and the lies of the world around us. But whereas an unbeliever can do nothing but sin, a baptized child of God, also has the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit, not because of what's in us, but because of what God gives us. We have the ability to say no to temptation, to resist sin. And sometimes we will slip, but baptism reminds us that we are forgiven. So when should baptism come? Well, in the Old Testament, believers were made uh, through the through the through the the Old Testament covenant of circumcision. We see Abraham and his son Ishmael are circumcised. Abraham is 99. Ishmael, I think, was 13 when they were circumcised. But God regulates that later and says it should happen uh, already when, when, when babies are brand newly born, when they're eight days old, circumcise every boy. And in the book of Colossians, we have a connection between circumcision, that covenant, and baptism. And so although in the New Testament we see primarily adults being baptized because this was a new thing, and people are just coming to faith, and it's a brand new phenomenon in the world, this New Testament custom and, 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 and uh, uh, command of Christ's to baptize the sacrament. And yet also there is this connection to circumcision. And, and although they were first baptized as adults, we see families baptized in the New Testament, and most of us here were baptized as, as infants. Myself, uh, when I was about three weeks old, mom waited until after Easter, so that in April of 1964, I was brought into the family of God through the washing of holy baptism. And we also have the evidence of our lives. My own baptism 
is where faith was created inside of me. The washing of water and the Word of God, the gospel, whereby my sins were washed away. And I have been a believer in Christ ever since. Baptism doesn't depend on the faith or the choices or the declaration of the one who receives it. For one thing, baptism offers and gives what it offers. It offers faith. Also, God's grace is always a matter of what God gives, not what man brings to the table. But for example, if the Lord's Supper, the other sacrament, were up to you and me to, to, to properly engage and perform, then you and I would be able to conjure up the body of Christ whenever we felt like it. And, but it, what we know for a fact that we could run circles around the altar muttering all kinds of things in every language on earth and every language under the earth and nothing would ever happen because it isn't about magic or ritual. What matters is the promise of God, the power of God in the Word of God. And without the Word of God, we would have nothing either in the Lord's Supper or in baptism. But because we have the promise, we have what baptism offers. Faith, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection to eternal life, the washing away of all of our sins. Who could ever do such a thing? Who is worthy to, to perform a baptism? Well, no one is worthy, but God uses us nevertheless. Despite our sins, God works through us, and he calls pastors and ministers to perform baptisms, not because of the mellifluous nature of our voices or because we have a steady hand with the water, but rather because he works through water and the word. And the pastors and ministers are called by the congregation to perform the means of grace for the congregation, whether it's the Lord's Supper or the preaching of the gospel or baptizing. Now, of course, in an emergency, any Christian can baptize, but that's in the case of an emergency. Childbirth in and of itself is not an emergency. Otherwise, we would never have a baptism in church, except occasionally, uh, oh, once every decade or so, maybe a new adult. But we prefer to baptize in church so that the whole congregation can see the baby, can also make an oath to look after the spiritual needs of the baby in addition to the parents and the sponsors and godparents, and so that we can see the means of grace in action. Now, if an exuberant father or, uh, or, or, or brother-in-law or someone has performed a baptism in a regular delivery room that wasn't an emergency, that, that isn't a sin. It's the means of grace. It's the gospel. But we should be careful not to make it our habit, or certainly not a family custom, to usurp the authority of the divine call of our pastors and ministers. Baptism washes away all sin. Is there one that bothers you? Is there a sin that it's the one that troubles you in the, in the small hours of the night when everybody else is asleep and, and you're awake and it comes back and it, it just troubles you and it keeps coming and it, it keeps coming. Baptism has covered that sin 
2, the grace of God has forgiven your sin. And if you think of it this way, baptism doesn't just wash away the sins that, that you committed before you were baptized, like original sin and the, and the small, almost helpless, sinful attitude of the newborn infant, but baptism also washes away the sins you committed while you were being baptized, if such a thing is possible. And every sin after you've been baptized all the way out to the extreme limit of the very last moment of your existence in this lifetime. All covered by Jesus. All washed clean by your baptism. Because baptism is commanded by Jesus Christ. And therefore it cannot possibly contradict anything like his crucifixion or his other sacrament. All of that works together. Baptism is part of God's plan. That's the theme for our worship today. And then there's the question of what if somebody falls away from faith after they've been baptized? Whenever the baptism happened, let's just for a moment say it's when they were an infant and then in their young life they were coming to church or Sunday school, even Lutheran elementary school or whatever it was, and then then sometime later, maybe something happened in their 20s or they went away to engineering school or something like that and suddenly they're beginning to question and then they, that, that, there comes that day when they come home and they spew hateful things at their family, rejecting Christ, saying, I have no place for God in my life and, and declaring awful things. And the, and the family seems unable to reach them and every effort that mom makes just kind of makes things worse and seems to not only close the door but caulk it shut and, and paint over the caulking and, and it just makes things seemingly worse. But remember that God doesn't only work through the gospel. That God's other doctrine in the Bible is also the law. And what is the more profound teaching of the law in all of the world than, than the approach of death? If in that case, if that individual, then wherever he might happen to be on a, on a, on a, on a deafening, noisy battlefield or the aftermath of, of some accident or in some quiet room, as life's ephemeral moment ebbs away. It may be that God will still work through the law. And then the promise of the gospel will turn up again in that individual's heart as he breathes the almost, well, silent prayer. Jesus, remember me. Like the thief on the cross where there seemingly was no hope left at all. But how does God respond to that terrified individual who has that one modicum, that one molecule of hope that's left and, and reaches out in despair and that little, little bit of childhood faith as Jesus looks down at that bruised reed 
and smiles at that prodigal lamb. For there is no such thing as unbaptism. Baptized is baptized. And even one who falls away, should they come back in repentance, even in such a weak, pitiful moment of life, they are a baptized child of God. How can water do such great things? It is not the water that does such things, but God's Word, which is in and with the water, and faith, which trusts this Word in and with the water. For without God's Word, the water is just plain water and not baptism. But with this Word, it is baptism. That is a gracious water of life and a washing of rebirth through the Holy Spirit. And the peace of God that transcends our understanding guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. As this pandemic uh, uh, continues, we pray it's winding down to its close, but as it continues the way that winter kind of continues in our lives, um, we're still not passing the plate. Um, we've begun talking about when that might return, whether it might return, but we still have offering uh, areas at the entrances at the church office and online giving is there. But we also remember that our Lord God has blessed us with everything that we need to carry out his gospel in the world, to serve him, to build up the faith and the bodies of our families. We use every gift that he gives to us in his service, whether it's just for the good of our families at home or for the good of the community around us or the business that we work for and are gainfully employed by and, of course, God's holy Christian church. This is God's good and gracious will. Use the gifts he gives to give him glory. Amen.